I want to tell you about today's sponsor, which is AI box. AI box is my own personal software company. I'm currently working on. And today we have officially launched a crowdfunding campaign over on Republic. AI box is essentially a no code AI app builder and marketplace. So you can chain together any AI models, put in your own custom prompts and automate your workflows. Then you have two options, either keep it private for yourself, or your organization, or publish it to the marketplace. If you publish it to the marketplace, you then receive royalties anytime someone uses it. If you're interested in investing in AI box, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box or Google Republic AI box. You can see more on our website as well with links to all the information, AIbox.ai. I've worked out a special deal with Republic where just for essentially podcast listeners that I'm telling about this today, for the first $250,000, we have a discounted $8.5 million valuation. After that, the valuation is $10 million. So if you're interested in this, I would definitely go check that out because we're over $150,000 and we've just launched this today. We're raising up to $1.2 million, but we're really, really excited where this goes and excited to help you automate your workflows and bring AI to the masses with AI Box. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the AI Applied Podcast. This is your host, Connor Grennan. And I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Every week we break down the latest in AI news. We interview experts in the field and we talk about some incredible tools, studies, use cases that you can use to apply AI into your business, workflow, and career. We had to do an emergency podcast episode today. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Connor and I didn't have this scheduled, but the news was so crazy over the weekend. Of course, why has why OpenAI got to do us dirty like that and drop all this stuff over the weekend? Um, but Connor was like, dude, we got to get on this. So we're going to be talking about some incredible AI news. Connor, why don't you cue us up and tell us the stories we're going to be covering today? Jaden, first of all, on OpenAI, what is it about them dropping announcements without telling people they're going to drop announcements? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I yeah. don't know how they like play it so cool. Like, I announce everything in advance. Anyway, let's just jump right in. So OpenAI is just super sneakily over the weekend was like, hey, we're going to start integrating uh, all of your a uh, ChatGPT4 tools, when, if you have a pro account, into one chat. So essentially what that means, if you have a pro account, and by the way, again, if you don't, Jaden and I are still waiting for how you are spending that magical $20 that you are spending a month that is not using it on this. But what we're finding here is that this is such a huge story because if you know how ChatGPT4 pro account works the subscription account you have like a drop down menu and in that drop down menu it has all these incredible tools in in and of themselves would be amazing stories right so you have the default obviously with ChatGPT 4 you obviously have uh browse with bing you have uh what used to be called code interpreter advanced data analytics where you can just uh you know sort of chuck big spreadsheets in there you have uh, plugins, and I know there's like 1,500 plugins, but the big ones are like, you know, chat PDF and things like that. You have uh, the Dali, uh, you know, image generator. You just have all this stuff. And what it's saying is that we're going to integrate that. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because what you used to have to do was sort of choose which one of these frames you wanted to use. So if you wanted to do image generation, you could do that. But what you couldn't do is also say, well, you know, and here, can you also analyze this and, or you'll know, use vision, but if you want to use vision, you couldn't also use the browser. It was just sort of tricky, right? So now with them all together, it feels like, you know, the old like Voltron, like all these things coming together and forming one massive beast. That's what it feels like. Jaden, what was, what was your take on this? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, 
it had so many interesting use cases and now they're all getting merged. I wonder if they're going to do something similar. We're going to see like another insane, you're going to get another emergency podcast when I think they do the same thing with the plugins, because right now when you use ChatGPT, it's like you enable one specific plugin or a couple to, to work, but you only have a certain amount. I think like, I see no reason why they don't at some point just have it where if you have the plugin installed in your prompt, you can say search Expedia for X, Y, and Z, or just search for the best flight thing and whatever plugins you have, it's going to use those plugins. You don't have to go and manually like tell it which things to use, right? Like on Google, when you ask it a question, you don't say like search Google for the best flights from Expedia and Hotwire. You just say like, give me the best flights and it figures it out. And I think OpenAI is going to do the same thing. So you'll see a whole nother emergency podcast there. This is big though, because I mean, I was just recently, um, of course I have my, my startup AI box, uh, which is a no code AI drag and drop platform. And I was recently, I was like, you know, I wonder if ChatGPT with this new Dolly features could help me design like a cleaner homepage. I, I'm like a sucker for design. I've spent like, like weeks on like elements on this homepage. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like, I go overboard on this, but I'm always like, how can I make it better? So I, I went and I took a screenshot of the homepage of uh, the AI box marketplace, put it into um, open AI and said like, Hey, tell me, like, give me a list of things I can improve in this design. And I think this is very applicable for literally anything, whatever your job is. If you're working on PowerPoints, if you're working on websites, if you're working on, um, you know, sales pages, if you're working on like any sort of graphics or visuals, this is so applicable UX, UI, all that stuff. So I was like, Hey, give me a list. And it gave me a list of things to, to make it better. And then I had to open a separate chat and enable Dolly and say, Hey, I have a website that does X, Y, and Z, a marketplace that does all these things. Here's a list that I would like you to in include to make like this better and make a design. And it made a design. And I'll be honest, the design was actually cool. And I was like, oh, dang, I love how it like designed like the headers on this. That's so much cleaner than what I thought. It had some good ideas, but this is going to be taken absolutely to the next level. If you merge those two things together, now I just give it the image and say, here's the image design a better version. I don't have to go copy and paste in between because I, I think it loses context when you copy and paste in between because all it had was the text description. Couldn't actually visually see what I had. Now it's going to be able to like base it right off of that image, create new designs, create new PowerPoints. This is this is really big um, as far as getting the outputs to be like five, 10 times higher quality. Yeah, it's huge, right? And it's it's that integration. By the way, we should caveat by saying like, oh, this was such a pain in the butt that I had to move this. I mean, it's sort of like complaining about, I think yeah, somebody's yeah. been complaining about like, you know, like the noise of the baby kicking your seat when you're flying through the air at 500 miles an hour. But okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's caveated. What this can do now is really unbelievable. The use cases, by the way, this is only getting uh, rolled out now. Uh, I did sort of like try to get sneaky access from somebody I knew. They're like, oh man, can't you help with that? I can't help with that. But, but it will roll out. So if you don't have it right now, uh, just, just give it some time. But here's the thing, right? Especially when you're combining, one of the big use cases I saw, I want to kind of um, piggyback off your image thing is, it, you know, if you take a photo of something, trying to describe something is really, really complicated when you're trying to do image generation. And now with, with vision, I'm using vision all the time. I'm taking a photo of everything. Again, you know, you if something's wrong on my laptop, it's like, you know, an error message. I take a photo. It's like, oh, this is, it's like having your eyes instead of trying to describe what's going wrong. But the way that this works with Dali now, now that vision and Dali are integrated or are going to be about to be integrated is like, 
hey, this is the kind of thing I'm trying to do. And you take a photo of something you're trying to kind of get across a theme or something like that. Or maybe somebody has a style that you love or something like a website or something. And you take that and then that can actually create the image generation based on that rather than you trying to do the perfect prompt. And Jaden, I think that actually... Uh, you know, is also sort of like getting us away. And I think the evolution here, I was, so I, you know, I train companies on this and I, I never teach prompt engineering because I think we're getting away from it. When you have vision, you don't need the perfect prompt. And that's what feels like so powerful to me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. Um, I think we've been here with text, but we're, we're taking it to a new level now that we can integrate natural language processing into this this concept of image. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, but I also just want to bring up that the next step will be audio and then video that OpenAI will inevitably roll out. They're already kind of doing some stuff in here. They got the the voice, some voice stuff. So it's going to be interesting. But here's what I think is interesting. Um, text already, like for, for me, if I had to go write like a, a newsletter or something, um, what I would do is I would go and find like, you know, five articles that talked about the content I want to to talk about that are really interesting. I'd consolidate them. I'd throw them all into chat GPT or Claude if the context window was too big, said too much data. So I'd do this with Claude too. Throw them all in there, say, hey, write a newsletter or write a blog post or write an article about like all of the articles below, consolidate them to the most important pieces of information. Do it in this style. Also include the fact that today this and this and this were announced and do it in context of like my audience cares about, you know, they're like business professionals that do X, Y, and Z, right? So you throw all that in there with image with text and then boom it blasts you out like a perfect article you go tweak it but a boom but a bing but a boom you have an amazing piece of content you can post reuse for whatever we did that with text for a while now i think with these new integrations it's going to move to image so you do the same thing where you could upload like pictures and say based off of these four pictures like create x y and z photo like based off of these five photos of people make a family photo with all of them in there put this as the background do this so it's like we're, we're doing this like um, this combo that used to be able to do with text. It was not possible with image. Now we're starting to do it with image because they've integrated it into natural language processing and chat GPT. And that is going to be incredible. But the reason why I think it's really amazing, of course, that like perfect image that you throw all these pieces together is like cool. I think it's amazing because video is like the video is like the golden. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's like the thing that's incredibly hard to achieve. And you need all of these pieces in order to make the video good. Because think about it. Right now, we're, we're doing the image. Next probably will be audio. Then the next step is to say, okay, make a video about X, Y, and Z. Here's five images. These are going to be the characters in the video. Here is, you know, I want you to have like the audio sound of waves crashing and a seagull in the background and it's at the beach. Like you tell it all of these pieces. You give it all of this data and it compiles exactly what you want. And uh, so, yeah, for me, as they're starting to piece all of this together in ChatGPT, I'm so excited because I see like this is very quickly evolving towards incredible images, then incredible video. And uh, it's it's really taking this to the next level. It's it's just wild, you know, and, and Runway is kind of starting to get there a little bit. But you're right, like all these image, you know, all these video tools are really just a combination of uh, you know, the video, the image that you're already doing. It's just sort of like hard right now in mid journey and everything else to kind of keep a consistent style. But I'm sure in the background, they're probably already doing it. There's a few tools uh, that do that. And also you were saying before about like, you know, Expedia and things like that. I actually, I just remember that yesterday I was, you know, we're looking at taking a trip to London, right? So I was like, okay, so when does the Eurostar go? And I'm like, well, I wonder if 
ChatGPT would know that. So in the past, it would be like, oh, September 2021. But now, it, you know, I sort of like click on the browser thing. Mm -hmm. And it actually, I thought it was just going to give me really generic stuff, but it actually gave me updated to that date, like today's date. I think it was yesterday, whatever it was, that date of when the train was, the Eurostar is uh, the train that goes from uh, yeah, London yeah. to Paris, the high speed train. Uh -huh. And it was actually giving me updated scheduling now it couldn't grab it like you know two months you know ahead of time or whenever we're kind of might be thinking about going or something like that but even the fact that it was going in there and reading it and, and my take was really that plugins might start to go away because one of the big things is that this you know ChatGPT used to just be able to you know pull in I don't know, CSV files, things like that. And now it's pulling in PDFs, which everybody's going crazy about because all the chat PDF, all the Ask My PDF, all these add-ons, it's like the death of the, you know, the AI startup. That might be a little premature, but it's not not premature. And so now the I'm thinking the same thing about plugins. Like I used to just use plugins for a few things, right? Like a PDF uh, reader, maybe Wolfram Alpha, maybe sort of a web browser, like WebPilot or one of those. And now it's just all getting integrated. So I'm wondering if, you know, the plugins are just going to get super specific around things or they're just, Sam Altman has never been big on plugins mm -hmm. uh, to begin with. So I'm just wondering like the future of plugins and just how they streamline all of this too, you know? Okay, wait, well, I would, something I'd love to ask you, you said Sam Altman's never been big on plugins. Is that just based off stuff you've seen or like, have you seen him specifically say that? Because I'm so, curious. Yeah, you know, I, so I'm, I'm interpreting it a little bit, but probably like okay. three, when plugins came out first, Altman was like, he's not sure there's a good product market fit, right? So I think what he thought was that obviously the audience, which is how they're going to, you know, do their PL, was wanted, you know, to open ChatGPT and to have, uh, you know, Kayak in there and Avis rental car in there and the web, everything like that in there. And what he started to find, especially because they got off to a slow start, but mm -hmm. he was saying that, uh, and this was a, I don't, maybe not a direct quote, but I really recall it. He's like, there might not be a great product market fit with plugins because what it really seems like Sam Altman was saying is that people want GPT, let's say GPT-4, what even 3.5 mm -hmm. in their experience. So, right. So, I mean, you know, we can hold, do a whole episode on Canva, uh, everything else, which is just, you know, these incredible tools, but all these tools now have AI built in. And I think what mm -hmm. he's saying is that it feels like people want to go in there. And that's my theory on why they haven't really built out plugins and they're just sort of sitting there. Because if you ever go in there, it's like 2,000 of them. And it's like, you know, our, you know, what's the next Filipino earthquake going to be? It's just the most random things. And there's like yeah. six that are good. And it feels like they would have done more of that. But I think what Sam Altman was saying was like, he's like, I'm just not sure this is the direction we want to go in for the long yeah. run. Yeah, no. Okay. So what's interesting is, I mean, when plugins launched, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be game changing. And the way it was rolled out, I was like, eh, especially the fact that you have to download a plugin and check the box to use it. And I'm like, I don't want to check the box when I got to like, I don't even know what plugin I should use for half of my queries. Like again, first world problems, Jade, you don't want to listen to ourselves, but anyway, keep going. You don't want to check a box. Go on. I hear you though. I hear you. Um, and so I think, I, I definitely think there's ways they could have rolled it out better, but I think you're right. And here's my theory on why plugins are important, regardless of if they become obsolete, right? Because let's say ChatGPT just starts doing everything. It can crawl the web. So what does it really need plugins for, except for access, API access to specific data sets that are like paywalled? Like, let's say you get the, uh, and also they're not like, there's no way to monetize them. I was talking to someone recently that makes ChatGPT plugins and he was like, yeah, they, they literally have no way for us to monetize these plugins. They have a policy on no monetization. He's like, but like Expedia obviously is sending you to their website to like pay, but they're like blocking other people. So he's like, it's just ridiculous. And we oh, obviously yeah. have to pay to develop them. So, so I think there's some serious issues with the plugins, but the reason, this is my theory. Here's my conspiracy theory. 
Go. OpenAI said, we're doing plugins. They go tell all the big companies, we're doing plugins, build your plugin, get it on here. You're going to be the, the cool kid in the exclusive like group that's getting these, these in. We're going to tell you about it early because all of these big companies, Expedia, Kayak, all the big players that are making plugins are like, oh, we're friends with OpenAI. We got the special invite to the program because guess what? They're just going to scrape your website and give that data anyways. <laughs> so it's like, if they just did that without doing the plugin things, I could see an uproar from a lot of the big players that are like, no, block OpenAI. We're going to do like the, the crawl bot block so that they can't get our data. You're going to have to come to our website if you want us. There'd be this defensive push. But all of a sudden when it's like, they're on there. They got the exclusive invite to the plugins. They're like, no, we're friends. I love that. that that's, love my, that. that's my, that's my theory. On that. No, it's fantastic. It's Off fantastic. It. And I think, yeah, I think you may actually be on to something like that because open AI is all about relationships as we've seen with the U S government, which is why it's so interesting. What was also happening with the white house and everything like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of which Connor, we, we got to break into this. This is absolutely crazy. What's happening um, today. Give us an overview from, from your standpoint, the, the white house, president Biden just released an executive order specifically addressing AI and AI safety. Give us a little a rundown on what you've seen from that. Yeah, you know, so I think um, some news outlets were starting to break it early. I don't think they got it exactly right. And so, you know, they've been talking a long time about an executive order from the White House. A lot of people have been calling for this, everything like that. And so I'll, I'll read a little bit of it, just like the pertinent points. I want your feedback yeah. on this, Jaden, and kind of like if you think it doesn't go far enough or, or if it goes too far, or if it's ridiculous. What I think we should say right at the outset, I think it's really easy, especially on podcasts where you're trying to rip the country apart. It's like, this is so dumb. What idiots in the White House? Look, the White House, I don't care what political side you're on. The White House isn't filled with idiots, okay? Like they know what they're doing. They're doing these things for a very specific reason, whether it's political or whether they think they can get by with it. But I promise you that they at least have access to very, very smart people. So I like to read it with that rather than just yeah. sort of try to discount it, right? So mm -hmm. so this does like a, uh, you know, an executive order actually does have a force, you know, the force of law behind it. So I think that's actually really, really important. And, you know, it's not overnight. It's probably like 90 days. But here's the thing. So there's uh, eight points, right? So they, they broke it down to eight things. So I'll just kind of like breeze through these real quick. Like one, creating new safety and security standards for AI, including requiring some companies, AI companies to share safety test results with the federal government. Uh, there's more, but I think that's a, a huge one, right? Like it's the black mm -hmm. box problem, right? Mm -hmm. Two, protecting consumer privacy, you know, guidelines that evaluate privacy uh, techniques. Of course, another one, kind of same kind of thing, privacy, black box, what's happening here. Advancing equity and civil rights. This came up pretty high in it, uh, trying to avoid algorithms that uh, further discrimination, especially uh, in the justice system. That's kind of interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. I think four, protecting consumers' Uh, overall, five supporting workers by uh, producing a report on the labor market implications. That feels like just dumb to me. Sorry, I said I wouldn't say that. Anyway, <laughs> disregard, disregard my commentary. Uh, promoting innovation and competition by expanding grants for AI research in areas like climate change and modernizing. Uh, Jane, I want your feedback because I, I have so many things. Okay, working with international partners, whatever. Uh, developing guidance for agencies, use of procurement, uh, use of procurement of AI and speed up the government. Um, hiring of workers. And let me just say one of the things that they also are doing a big push with like, hey, how do we get more AI uh, people hiring? They have a whole AI.gov. But on those eight, what kind of grabs your attention on those? Here's my, my overall opinion on all of this is we obviously AI regulation is going to happen, whether people like it or not, like it's inevitable, it's coming. And I think to some degree, AI is going to have such a massive impact. We definitely want there to be some sort of oversight. The first things that, that you mentioned, um, of, you know, privacy, 
and um oh what was that what was the first one it was like the black box you know it's sort of like what goes into the models yeah okay the the red teaming thing right yeah, so the, red the team, safety yeah. the safety testing those ones i think very non-controversial right like at the end of the day even if it wasn't the government regulating it like so it would be sweet it would be awesome if um these companies just like transparently told all their their users here's all of our like safety stuff we've done here's like anything we've put into it here's what we're doing with your data that should be but if but if they're not doing that transparently i think it's not very uh controversial for the government to mandate that because people just like we have consumer privacy laws and honestly a lot of it probably ties into stuff that already exists um but this is just like kind of solidifying it i think look i think we're we're giving the right signal by saying here's an executive order we're thinking about ai we're putting forward legislation and thought on it. I think the criticism that a lot of this gets is like over-regulating too early, something that Europe is accused of a lot is because they're the, the first people that rolled this kind of stuff out. And, you know, some people say, well, hey, look, if you over-regulate at the beginning, you're going to stifle innovation. Um, I also have heard the argument, though, that uh, additional regulation helps to spur innovation because if I'm a big investment fund with $100 million to put into AI companies, and there's like these four AI companies that are like helping generate images, but I don't know what the copyright issues are. And I don't know what the privacy issues are. And like, I don't know, it's a lot scarier to put the hundred million in, but if it, they're like, nope, there's regulation that, that explicitly says they can do these three things in these three ways. And these companies are all in compliance with that. Then it's like, okay, great. Here's the money. Go take this and innovate more. So I've seen both sides of that story um, to spur innovation and stop innovation. And I know there's arguments on both sides of it. I tend to believe that this is the right optics to say, look, we're thinking about this. We're putting forth an executive order. And like, you're you're right. It's easy to criticize. And also, I'm going to say, they're not going to get everything right. Like, right. this isn't going to be perfect. Like, people will criticize it. And there's probably good reasons to criticize it. Um, but I think it we're moving in the right direction. So, like, I'll say, overall, I'm optimistic that we are that we're moving in the right direction. I think so too. I mean, I think it has just enough in there. I think obviously some of these uh, are a little more like political bend or something and probably, yeah. uh, you know, people, they're probably catering to a certain extent, whichever side would be slightly catering to their uh, base, somewhat everything else. All politics is politics, right? And this yeah. is politics. And, you know, my question would probably be around, you know, how do they implement? How do they enforce? To me, it's also just a huge play of, can we keep everybody... Uh, happy about this. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm -hmm. I think we really learned our lesson with social media and everything else. And as we saw Sam Altman going on these, uh, these sort of like, you know, tours and stuff like that, and all the, the big players, I mean, Elon Musk is more controversial, but the big players in this seem to be generally well liked uh, by Congress and the American people. I think there's not a ton of like the existential risk uh, conversation has died down a lot, I think, since, let's say, February or March. I just feel like they're going at least in the right direction. I mean, I don't know what we expect them to do, but certainly like this doesn't seem to it's this doesn't seem like it's going to stifle anything. Yeah, for sure. That That's the that's my main takeaway here. And like we can argue the eight points or whatever that they have out there. There's definitely political stuff in there that a lot of people will find controversial or or, you know, disagree with. Uh, but I think overall, it's like the legislation, it's not like shutting everything down. And it's actually gotten criticism for that because some people are like, well, how do you even enforce it? This is more just like, here's some good helpful guidelines. It's like, in my opinion, at this phase, helpful guidelines are great. I do not want them like clamping down hard and forcing everyone to submit really intensive reports that are going to shut down all the new startups. Like, give us the give us the helpful guidelines. Let people argue and debate about that. See what sticks is the other thing, right? Because maybe Congress decides gets up in arms and creates bills that are at odds with some aspects of this. So 
put out the guidelines, see what sticks. We'll have debates about it. It's going to go through Congress. There'll be more legislation. Um, but I think we're moving in the right direction by saying, we're, look, we're thinking about it. We're not clamping down with an iron fist in similar ways. China is like mandating the data that can go into the, the AI models. Um, and so I think in that regard, like I'm, I'm fairly happy with kind of the direction of that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's again, you know, I think Europe was having a hard time with it. I think Europe tends to, I don't want to say they overregulate, but they're just caution. Uh, they're, they're, they overregulate yeah. compared to the United States. And I think that this does strike that balance. And then I think that, you know, generally these companies, especially the open AIs, Anthropics and Googles and Microsofts, I think they're going to want to keep the, the populace on their good side. You know what I mean? Like it just takes sort of a few things going radically wrong. Uh, to really turn people against these kinds of things. And I think that, you know, this feels like, again, this balance of people being like, hey, let's all work together and nothing's gone wrong yet. And so I think we're probably in a good space. Yeah, 100%. And I think companies are very optimistic right now. Um, kind of transitioning to the, the other piece of news I wanted to cover is the fact that uh, Anthropic has just announced that, uh, you know, Google is going to be potentially investing $2 billion into it. So obviously the Googles, the Anthropics, these big companies, they're, they're quite optimistic. This doesn't look like this right, this regulation that's coming out of the White House, these executive orders are slowing it down. To the, to the contrary, it seems like people are still very optimistic. What do you make of the, uh, the $2 billion Anthropic investment? Uh, so this is fascinating to me because it just feels, maybe there's other, a lot of other things in, in sort of throughout the industri industrial history of our, of our world that this has happened a lot. But I just think it's fascinating how these giant rivals are all investing in the same thing, right? And I mean, you could say like, oh, they're hedging their bets and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But like, I don't know. I mean, it's what's so interesting to me is the the why factor, right? Because I don't think that Google is going all in or, you know, Microsoft would invest in this because they don't think that their product is going to do well. Like I think Google, like Google's coming out with their own, you know, mega model and everything like that. The only thing I can think, and Jane, tell me what you think about this. It almost feels, and I don't want to say exclusively, but it really feels like a, like a cloud play as much as anything else, right? I mean, like when the, a lot of these companies making tons of the AWS, uh, Azure, like, you know, Google Cloud, like that is where so much money is. And you know how much compute and all that all these things use. And if all of a sudden Anthropic, which I think is used by, isn't it used? I probably have notes on this somewhere, but isn't it used by like Zoom and Salesforce and like really it's huge much players? The most integrated after OpenAI. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, right? So I mean, so I guess I'm just thinking like, it's not so much about that as like, hey, we're investing, but I wonder if there's a caveat of like using our cloud in the background or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking yeah. at the two limited. No, no, no you're, you're spot on there. Um, I think there's two parts of the story. The first one is Google doesn't want to be left behind. Of course they have the most money, but like they're seeing OpenAI to a large extent run away from them on Bard. Like it definitely kind of beat them there. And as much as Bard will try to catch up, like at the end of the day, I just use ChatGPT. I'm familiar with it. I like it. I have the habit now. So they, they were the first out. They're kind of the winners in my books there. I actually, I do use Anthropic and Claude for other different things. So um, in any case, I think they're all, all the big players are hedging their bets by getting in. They're like, just like, they're like, we have billions and we have the resources, but just in case it doesn't take off, like, we need a piece of the the ones that we already know are going to kind of be the big winners um, so we don't get left behind. So I think there's a hedging their bets definitely is an aspect of it. And then, of course, of course, it's a cloud component. So at the beginning of the year, um, Google Cloud invested $300 million into Anthropic. 
Right. Um, and I feel like I wonder like what what their thinking is on it because it was the concept was like, hey, Anthropic's going to Google Cloud. And then like a month or two ago, we saw AWS say, okay, we're going to do a $4 billion deal. Um, and then it gave them $4 billion cash. It was like, I think a billion up front and then the rest kind of unlocked with different milestones. But their understanding there was, okay, you're coming over to AWS. And now Google's like, oh, whoa, 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 wait. Like you, you thought that, uh, you know, you thought that they were up in the game with 4 billion. Like, don't worry, we got 2 billion of our own we could do over here. And I wonder, Anthropic is funny because it seems like it's just kind of bouncing back and forth. This is one piece of commentary I've heard on this whole deal though, is that unlike a lot of other AI companies, Anthropic is big enough and has raised enough that it's not like, okay, we're doing a round of funding. Who's like 10 people that want to put money in? They, they literally, they just go to one partner. They go to Google Cloud, 300 million, thank you. They go to AWS, 4 billion, thank you. They go to Google, 2 billion, thank you. You know, and so it's like, they're hitting the enterprise. Um, and I think that's a very interesting funding strategy across the market. What I've seen is like VCs more or less are struggling to say the least from the last market of turmoil. And where the money that's getting dumped into AI companies, it's into ones that are kind of leading, like the big money is going into companies that were already leading and it's coming from big enterprise corporations. It's it's like, that's who's putting the most money in. When you hear about these big checks, it's coming from big corporations. It's not coming from big venture capital firms. I mean, some of them will play in there, but like, honestly, that's where the big ones are coming from. And that is such a big kind of department from what we saw over the last number of years before kind of the, the correction in software. Yeah, that's it's exactly right. And first of all, I wonder sort of like at the at the valuation way back when when Google put in three hundred million. I wonder what that valuation. You know what I mean? Because that was a very different valuation than Thrive yeah. back then. So, so that's one interesting point. And the other thing, listen, this is AI applied, right? So when you look at these things and you're thinking, okay, what else is out there besides ChatGPT? You don't have to go out and try everything. But if you're looking and you're seeing that everybody's dumping money into Anthropic, take that seriously. Like go into mm -hmm. Claude. Claude is phenomenal at really huge, uh, uh, with a really huge context window. So if ChatGPT is getting you frustrated, Claude just allows you to just dump in giant things. So test that out. Again, we don't want to sort of like give you just tons of tools. Like, But when you see this news, you're like, what does that tell you? That tells you that this is a big player. And that's what I would sort of like look at as well. Yeah, 100%. I think you're spot on there, Connor. It's like follow the money because it's very easy to criticize a software tool or anything in this. Everything's so new today as like, oh, but it can't do X, Y, and Z. But it's like, Look at who's raising the most money and inevitably those problems will be solved. Those are the companies that are definitely going to go the distance and uh, the, the money definitely talks. So yeah, when you see these kind of deals, in, invest some time into Claude Anthropic because inevitably, whether you're like getting your own personal subscription to it or the next company you work at has a company subscription, like it's going to be there and you're going to want to know how to use those tools. You're going to want to be familiar. It's the same thing. Like every single industry has kind of their own industry software and tools. And on your resume, you're like, yeah, I know how to use like bing, 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 like these five, like very industry specific tools. Like I know in marketing, it's very common. There's like a handful of marketing tools. Mm -hmm. You just got to know how to use because when you get your next job, you're working at your next place. Like they want you to do that. It's going to be the same thing with AI. They're going to like, they're like, how familiar are you with like X, Y, and Z AI company? Because we need you to be like really good at doing whatever is your next job position. So invest in the big ones because eventually those are going to be what your companies are, are rolling out. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And again, and even if you're just, uh, so I, what I think about all the time is like, how can you even sound smart? Like it's very easy these days to kind of become like the AI champion in your office. I'm telling you, uh, you know, I work with companies 
all the time. I'll work with 200 people and I'll be like, how many people are even using ChatGPT? And half will raise their hands. It's like, well, I wrote my mother's birthday card. It's it's really amazing. If you just know kind of just generally how to use ChatGPT, very easy. And if you know one other tool like Claude, you are going to sound like you got a PhD in machine learning to everybody around you. So do me a favor, lean into this. This is only, again, forget about sort of like how it's gonna benefit your company for a second. Just think about how this is going to look just when you sort of expand your uh, sort of base of knowledge just to a few of these tools. And Claude, I think is definitely number one after ChatGPT. Yep, 100% agree. Connor, this has been a fascinating episode. This has been a great episode, a great emergency podcast episode. Expect these. We might just pop up some breaking news uh, right off the bat for you. Thank you so much for everyone that tuned into this episode today. Um, I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you could do us a massive favor and please, please leave us a review. If you leave us a review, it makes it much easier for us to get some incredible guests. And I'll tell you right now, Connor is lining up some absolutely incredible interviews that we're going to be having on the podcast very shortly from some people at some incredible uh, companies and places doing some amazing stuff. So make sure to leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your day.